0: everyone's well good number of people here today great to see everybody and it's always uh it's always a joy to be able to open up the scriptures so that's what we're going to do today if you want to turn with me to uh, ecclesiastes chapter 9 i want to pick on uh, a phrase that um that comes out of it and it's a well it's a scriptural it's a scriptural phrase and it's uh it probably comes out in the gifts, um, a bit about the Lord's hand, uh, not being short or in other words, God not being restricted or limited in any way and what he's actually able to do in our lives. And I suppose we've heard a bit about that, uh, in testimony and, um, Simon was mentioning in his that as he's gone on, he's realized that God wants him here and that God wants him. And that's the same for all of us. God wants us here and God wants us. It's not by coincidence or by, by accident or, or chance, but we're very precious, precious, to God. And so, um, I just want to turn, here, yeah, Ecclesiastes 9, start reading in verse 11. Um, we read here. It says, this is a, of course, King Solomon and his many observations, but he says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift. Nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favour to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. And so his observation is that it's not always, it wasn't always the most prepared person on, in life that whether good or bad things take place, but there's, there's something called time and chance. There's something about being in this life where circumstances will come and at times it tests our, I guess our faith and, uh, and our strength in the Lord on whether we'll keep trusting in Him and believing in Him that ultimately He has a plan and that He's more than capable of undertaking in our life and that He's not restricted or His hand's not short in any way of being able to provide for us what we need and, and lead us through this life and circumstances. That, uh, that are actually in, in the big plan of things are are going to be what we need and are going to help us. And, you know, I suppose we all have a view at times of what is fair and what is not fair. Um, we, we learn that concept really quickly (laughs) when we're growing up as a, as a younger child. It doesn't take long for our kids to pull the, it's not fair. We learn that, we learn that sort of, um, thought quickly in life and, and what we can end up believing is that by things that have happened in our life that somehow by the circumstances that have befallen us we either become disadvantaged and and now we don't have maybe what we need uh, to do the things that we we thought we should in this life because we've missed out maybe on maybe we've missed out on a, a possession maybe we've missed out on time we feel or we've missed out on our health or we've missed out on some aspect of our life and because of that we see it could be a handicap to us and, and God God doesn't want us to see it, see it like that and it's a really good question if uh, if 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 we were to sit here and maybe just ask ourselves is is life fair what would we answer for ourselves maybe maybe we can we can look upon the circumstances of some others and we'd think wow I don't know how I'd go in that position and, um, and, and, and for sure, you know, there's a lot of people in this life who are born into circumstances that are so beyond their control that in a natural we'd say, yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't really appear to be fair. But God wants to remind us all that he's not limited by any of those things, that anybody who is contemplating, thinking, you know, talking to the Lord or calling out to, sometimes people don't even know what to, but they're asking for a bigger purpose. God's ear is, is, is there in an instant to hear and to, to respond. And there's, there's really only two things we can do with our experiences in our life, isn't there? Both, both good and bad. We can, we can either use them as a reason to hold us back in our service and our trust, uh, towards our creator, or we can use those experiences to, to strengthen us and make us press in all the more for it. It's really the only two things we can do. I want to keep reading in verse 12. It says, For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. This wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. He says, There was a little, a little city and few men within it, and there came a great king against it and besieged it and built great bulwarks against it or these big invasion ramps against this city. And now there was found in in it a poor wise man and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no man remembered that same poor man. So, so this man got no recognition, who, who Solomon Solomon's recalling in this story, he, he got no recognition at all for the city's deliverance. And he goes on in verse 16, he says, Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. The words of wise men are heard in quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. And the lesson, and and maybe you'll take some different things out of this, this passage here, but the lesson, I believe, that Solomon, and the reason he's recorded this, is he 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 wants us to understand that in his wisdom, his experience, I suppose, is that um, our preparations in natural things in this life um, won't always guarantee that things will go how we plan. But they won't do that. And we can't always rely on people, on, on natural people, to reward rightly what is right. And, and we all know that through life experience. But wisdom, continuing to trust in the Lord and, and his plan, and not in ourselves is more powerful than anything, than any 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 weapon or device of of this uh, natural life that we're in. And um, you know, even sometimes the 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 evidence or the reward of that belief and trust, it may not even come until this life passes for some people. But but God's reassuring us that a trust in Him and His plan is 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 greater than anything. In, um, if you turn with me now, just over to the book of, book of Numbers. Back to the book of Numbers. Just for a bit of, uh, time. I want to, uh, just ex, maybe just explain a bit without, um, reading through all of it. But in Numbers chapter 10, we'll, we'll start in Numbers 11, but I'm just going to speak a bit about the chapter before it. It's the story of Israel. And they've left um, Mount Sinai because the cloud of the Lord has moved and um, they are instructed to do so by the Lord and um, they go from Sinai which is a is a mountain and they go to a place called Paran which um it actually means um, the place of caverns and that's the na- the meaning of the name of Paran and it appears that this is sort of the first record of uh where the cloud moves and they have to they're all assembled in their in their tribes and they have to move. And, um, and off they go and they're given, you know, instructions in the Ark of the Covenants before them and they go out and it must have been an amazing sight to behold. Um, and, and they go and they, and they spend, I think it's about three days and then eventually, um, they settle in this place called Paran. And I just want to start in, yeah, we're in chapter 11. Um, but what we see is that the people were already um, complaining they've been delivered out of Egypt, but they were complaining because it probably didn't seem fair in their eyes of the the circumstance they found themselves in, and they were having real trouble trusting God's plan. They're having a lot of difficulty with it. And if we were to read through, it goes back and and they just remember the good things, only the good things that they thought they had while they're in Egypt. They remember the food they were being fed. You know, they talk about I think leeks and onions and garlics and fish. And they've been fed this manna from the Lord, this, this seed that fell, that they'd make a kind of a cake out of, and they were getting sick to death of it, and they were starting just to complain. And they were looking backwards, they were after, basically they were after steak. They wanted some, they wanted some meat, and it had become the center of their attention. And so in Numbers 11 verse, um, verse 10, it says, Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, and Moses also was displeased. And we read on, uh, we'll just go down to verse 13. He says, whence should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, give us flesh that we may eat. And he keeps going on and says, I'm not able to bear all this people alone because it's too heavy for me. This is, this is Moses and if thou deal thus with me as he's talking to the lord kill me i pray thee out of out of hand if i've found favor in thy sight and let me not see my wretchedness so this um this was really getting on top of moses There's a saying that we use maybe um local language we talk about being under the pump under pressure moses was under pressure so much to the point where he's He's just taking responsibility, you know, he's, he's, he, it sounds here that he's feeling like it's his mismanagement that's caused the people's attitude to become like this. And he's, and so the Lord did something amazing for Moses. He did something great. He, um, he provided support for him when he wasn't coping. And he ends up calling 70 elders of the men of Israel. And, um, so we just read on in verse 16 and it says, and the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy, seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee, and I'll put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. And God is so good at doing that. You know, I, I suppose, um, When we feel that, um, you know, we're not, maybe we're not trusting in the Lord's plan as we should, or maybe there's people around us who are, who are starting to discourage us because, um, because their focus has become different. God's got a great way of sending support. And as Moses just called out to the Lord there, the Lord provided the support, but we keep, we keep reading. Um, In verse 21, it says, it says, and Moses said, the people among whom I am. So Moses is still working through, through this, I suppose, in his mind about how this is all going to work, because there's hundreds of thousands of people. He said, among whom I am are 600,000 footmen, and thou hast said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. So Moses is trying to uh, imagine, reconcile this in his mind, and he says, shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them to suffice them? Or shall the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? This is, this is the kind of scale that Moses had in his mind. How, how is there any solution to this problem that it could be turned around? Are we going to get every single fish in the sea and gather it together in one point so that these hundreds of thousands of people can be fed? And we read in verse 23, and the Lord said unto Moses, is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. And what ends up happening, if we know the story, is that the people were fed uh, with quails and the Lord had said, look, I'll feed them so much that it's actually going to come out of their noses. I'll show them how much I can provide. And and God didn't end up being very happy with them. And it says because they lusted after the flesh. And that's no no pun intended. They were literally lusting after meat, but... They, they were lusting after the flesh and God wasn't happy with them. And, and, and I suppose for all of us, that challenge remains to, to keep looking to the Lord, not with our natural eyes, but what we know and have experienced of him and what we see him doing, not just in our lives, but in the lives of our brothers and sisters, but also just the promises in his word that there's just nothing too big for our God and and maybe at times we feel like um you know in our own estimation that we've been let down somehow by someone su- somewhere through some exer- circumstance but in god's plan it's it's really just us struggling with a natural a natural vision he's he's just trying to move us onwards look forwards because it's just part of the story that's not the it's not the finality for us um i want to also just have a look at a at a story um, the prodigal son just over in Luke 15. Prodigal is a bit of a, uh, interesting word. I don't know if it's a word that we use much these days, a prodigal person. So, um, but it just really means spending money or, or resources freely and rec- recklessly in a, in a way that's really wasteful. And so I, I don't want to read the whole story, but I just want to start in verse 11 of Luke 15. And it says, uh, and he said a certain man, uh, had two sons and the younger of them said to his father father give me the portion of goods that falleth to me and he divideth them unto unto them his living and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living and when he had spent all there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began To be in want. I just want to bring a principle out of the first part. I don't want to look at the whole story. But in our life now today, probably more than ever, there's little prompts all around us to give the best of ourselves to, to prodigal living. To, to waste our resources and, and, and our life in the Lord Is the biggest and best gift and resource a person can ever have. Or if, if it's something that you don't yet have, it's, it's the greatest thing that God wants to give to you. And, you know, there's just prompts everywhere to, to waste our most, you know, important resources, our time, our mental energy and, um, I guess all of those things that so that somehow we just become consumed with this this life that we're in which is just so um subtle in so many ways we live in this amazing time of um of technology and information and and you know you can look up anything from anywhere and there's a lot of things that are really exciting to us in our in our natural flesh that are appealing that that draw us in that grab us and it's just all too easy to be so um drawn in by all of that but and, and I suppose, you know, I think I've brought this up before, but, you know, even when you go to fill up your car with petrol now, you, you pick up the pump off the bowser and there's a screen there advertising to you for something, something that you lack in your life, you know, that you need to go here, you need to have this, you need to watch this. And it's just, it's just on us all the time. And um, it's always trying to tell us that we lack something material, but not anything spiritual. Because it doesn't have that capacity, and and I guess we're encouraged to just protect those things. If we if we're blessed enough, and a lot of us are, to have a good, comfortable life with material things, to protect those with all of our worth, that's that that becomes the the concentration. And this um this this person, this prodigal son, he wasted his substance with riotous living. So you know maybe we can look at. Purely money, but maybe it was his time and his energy and the opportunity he'd been given in life. And it says a famine came and he be, and he began to be in in want and um, doing everything that we want, just in our flesh, all our natural goals and ambitions. If if even though we're encouraged to do that by this world, if we do that, what actually happens is it brings a famine in our life. It actually ends up bringing a lack of the things that we really need. And um, and that's why we live in a world that's just constantly searching, even though they don't always understand that they are and so I guess it brings up the question how do we how do we get the things that we really need, and the things that we really need maybe not always obvious to everybody else you know maybe maybe it's not even things that we share, but it's it's, it's things that the Lord knows all the time because he's always seeing the part of us that no one else does the part that we, we, we can hide lots of things from lots of people, but there isn't an aspect of our life we can hide from our creator. And he, and, and you know, he's not, I, I don't believe he's, he's wanting to, um, browbeat us, although sometimes, sometimes we need a bit of that, but mostly he's just, he's hand, is a hand of invitation. Just turn to me and I'll fix it. Turn to me and I'll help it. I'll sort it. I just, just trust in my, my plan. And God's just not limited to what our need is. You know, and some of the greatest needs that we have, and we will have as we go through this life often are the needs that come from within they're not the needs that are without and and sure, there's times when you know we need a real healing uh of our bodies you know we get get sick maybe we we get something that's really life threatening you know that there's those needs, but a lot of the needs and the battlegrounds is is in here and in here and and it's where we need the Lord. And, um, it's our hearts and our attitude where the, where the battleground happens. I, um, I want to just turn back to the book of Psalms, 145, some Psalm 145, Psalm of David, something that many of the things that they've recorded in the Psalms just something that he came to understand, um, and declare. It just says in verse 14, the Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all those that he that be bowed down, and being bowed down is really important, you know, because it's hard for God to help us if we're if we're puffed up. It makes it a hard position for Him to work with us from. It says the eyes of all wait upon Thee, and Thou givest their meat in due se- them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand, and satisfy the desire of every living thing. God opens his divine hand and he, uh, it's an all-powerful hand and he provides the need of every living thing. That's, that's our creator. It says in verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. And that's a really important part. We can, we can call upon the Lord according to our plan and our way and our, our thoughts, but he says to call upon him in truth. Every time I go um, into the city, which is um, I don't know semi-regularly, I suppose, and you have to cross at a set of um, traffic lights, it's not just at the city, but that's where most of them are, I, I find myself actually always a bit amused because um, I'll ask everyone an honest question now. Um, when you get to a set of traffic lights and there's a button to push, how many times do you press it? <laughs> do you honestly press it once or do you hit it like three or six times, you know, as fast as you can? And even though you might have had somebody there that's just pressed it before you, their press isn't good enough. You gotta press it three, you know, however many times, just because your press is probably gonna be a little bit better, and if you do it, it's just gonna speed it up that bit more. And I, I, I've tried to stop myself doing that, and now I watch other people do it, and I've always got a smirk waiting at the, uh, I'm probably gonna get clocked one day, just because what are you smirking at? And, but, it's, it's interesting. But, we've got this thing in our mind that the, pre- the quicker we press this button, the faster we're going to get what we need. It's going to go green quicker and we're going to get across. And I want to have a look. That there's there's an element in the persistence of that. I just want to go back to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18. It's a story of, uh, of the unjust judge. Luke 18 and verse 1. And it says, and he spake a parable, this is Jesus Christ, unto unto to them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was a city, in a city a judge which feared not God and neither regarded man, and there was a, a widow in that city and she came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. So in that button pressing of not, of getting across the road quicker, I guess it's a, a kind of story of, of not giving up seeking the Lord. And because it goes on and says, and the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. There's a lesson in this. And it goes on and says, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily nevertheless when the son of man cometh shall he find faith on the earth will he find the people that just keep looking to him keep trusting in his plan no matter what and God's hands not limited his plan doesn't go off course it doesn't derail his ability to provide what we what we really need in this life it doesn't falter um I just want to quote this. In John chapter 1, we read uh, in verse 4 when it's talking about in the beginning was the word and so on. In verse 4 it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And it talks about how the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. And although we are born again and we walk with the Lord, we've got a natural mind and depending on how we allow ourselves to be led sometimes sometimes we find ourselves being really overcome by this life and its circumstances and sometimes our minds might not end up end up in a good place because we've we've allowed that to take over and then like this says here when God's plan when it shines it's like a light in darkness but if if we're not looking after ourselves sometimes we comprehend it not we find it hard to trust we can't get past our own understanding of the circumstance and the situation we're in. And the word there, um, darkness, it actually just means obscurity. It's um, skotia it's in Greek, and it, means, it just means that not having divine understanding. And, of course, the Lord tells us that we see through a glass darkly, and, and the word darkly it uses there in First in, uh, in Corinthians 13 is uh, enigma. We see through, um, obscurity, so we, we get some of it, but we don't always get all of it. Um, I want to continue on in Luke 18. Sometimes we don't understand the plan of God, even when it's been plainly told to us. We still don't really get it because this was the situation with, with the disciples down in, down in verse 31 of Luke 18. We're already there. We read about Jesus here, he says, Then he took unto him the twelve, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written written, uh, by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. So he started to speak about himself. He's saying, Now all the things that I've told you, the plan of God, is now going to start to come into, into being. He says, For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. Now for us to read that, we think, how how could it be any plainer? He's sitting there and he's told the twelve this is what is going to happen to him. And yet we read, and they understood none of these things, and this saying was hid from them. And so obviously God had a plan with that at the time. But it says, neither knew they the things which were spoken. So even though he plainly told them about what was to happen, they didn't pick up that he was talking about him. And we go and just over now to the book of Luke again, but in chapter 24. The ultimate plan of the Son of God. So we just see, I think this situation in Luke was about the third time he declared unto the disciples what was going to take place to him, or unto him. And then After the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and and all that took place there, I just want to pick it up in Luke 24 and verse 5, after certain people went to his tomb and they began to look for him. After it had all taken place, in verse 5 we read, it says, And as they were afraid, because there was a couple of angels that appeared unto them there, and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, this is uh, these angels at, at the Lord's tomb, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you while he was yet in Galilee. He'd already declared the plan, yet in the natural they'd just forgotten and they'd gone looking for him. And so they were challenged with, why are you seeking the living amongst the dead? And and we can end up doing that in our life. We can look for our answers. We can look for our solutions to our the things we're overcoming uh, among the dead things of this world sometimes. And just a, a short testimony of, of a brother. He, I'm not sure if he's here today or not. It's okay, I won't mention names. But um he's really crook at the moment, really ill. He's got cancer, severe cancer. And a little while back, he had, um, he had some people come around from another organisation because he wasn't born in Australia and people from his culture, and they offered to pray for him for his cancer now he's been in our fellowship for a long time now and what he ended up saying to the man that offered to pray for him was do you have the holy spirit and do you speak in tongues and he said no he said well i should be praying for you and we'd love to hear that that's called having an insight and a vision of god's plan that's bigger than just our circumstances and and praise the Lord. That made me light up when he told me that. It's really good. But God's plan, it comes together. It's never lacking. It's never short and it's, and it's never off course. And I want to keep reading again. So I want to go back. We're in Luke 24, but I want to go, uh, verse 10. And we read here and it says, and it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and other women that were with them. Which told these things unto the apostles. So they'd, they'd gone and, and seen these angels. They'd seen that Jesus Christ was, or heard that he'd risen from the dead. And they were excited. They were, they were believing. It was coming together for them about the plan of God. And so they, um, what they do is it says, uh, they had to go and stir the men up. We're going to read in the next verse. It says, and the words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not. The apostles didn't believe the ladies. There's a lesson here, I suppose. Men, we've got to believe our wives. We've got to listen to them. Because sometimes they'll have insights into things that, that we miss the memo on. So it's good. It's uh, The apostles missed a big one. They didn't believe. But Peter, it got to Peter. We read in verse 12, and it says, Then arose Peter, and ran unto the sepulcher. And stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Could this really be true? Is had the things that were spoken really true? Had Jesus really risen from the dead? And after that, we if we were to keep reading, we see Jesus. He appears on the road uh, to Emmaus. There, he's walking along, and he, uh, he ends up getting into a conversation with a group of people. And he talks to one a guy by the name of Cleopas, and he plays ignorant. And he says, "Well, what's going on? What's all the talk at the moment?" And they say, "Well, Jesus, you've heard that he's he's been crucified, and and everyone's pretty miserable about it." And Jesus played ignorance so he could hear, I suppose, what people were thinking and saying. But in verse 21, Cleopas, he says, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. And so they're starting to feel pretty disheartened about the plan of God that really it had come to an end. And Jesus, well, he ends up uh, getting a bit bit annoyed about it, but he he ends up explaining. He says, "From Moses and all the prophets, all the things concerning himself, all the scriptures that had foretold the plan of God," and and they and they slowly start to realize, "Hang on, we've 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 missed the memo." And we t- and then Jesus here uh, he ends up communing with them, and he and they end up breaking bread. It says down in verse thirty, it says, "And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave to them." And then a moment comes, then then an incredible moment comes of the plan of God. It says, And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. You can imagine what kind of moment that was. You just realize that you start thinking, how something special is happening here, and then Jesus just disappears. It vanished out of thin air in their sight. That would have been a real a pretty big moment. And it goes on and it says, and then they end up saying, Wasn't our heart burning within us? We knew this this was someone special. And we find that finally Jesus goes to the disciples. He he goes to them lastly. We pick that up in verse 44. And he says, uh, and he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. Do you remember when I sat down and spoke of all the things that would happen to the Son of Man? Well, this this is the fruit of it now, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures he opened their understanding and this he's able to say this was my plan all along and they finally began to understand it hadn't gone wrong they just didn't understand it in the flesh and so wherever, wherever we are today wherever we find ourselves you know whatever we find ourselves facing or or overcoming or maybe maybe it's for our our family or someone we love that you know that we're concerned about God's plan is working it's working it's coming to fruition we've do, we've got to just keep trusting and keep doing the things that we know and the things that we've learned and we keep seeking the lord his is his ability it's still all powerful it hasn't changed you know where we declare the truth where we you know sometimes it's boldly maybe sometimes it's just quietly we we stand up and we repeat The promises of God. Maybe it's in a quiet conversation at work. Maybe, maybe it's to our own family. Maybe it's to our kids when they're going through something difficult. He, God uses it. Where we'll declare his promises, he uses it. And, you know, and, and I mean, we need it, but so do, so do the people around us. We are, we are surrounded by people and by a society of, um, of a generation of people in our world that needs salvation. People, that are lost people that are using i guess um the overwhelmingness of this world and its technology and all that you can dip your hand in to just try and plug a void to fill a gap to to try and numb what's really going on and we all have challenges you know everybody has challenges but you know if if, if we can pray lord tell help me to take my mind off of off of me of just off of me because That's who we're encouraged to think about in our world is to think about me and I. But if we can seek the Lord to, to take our mind off of ourselves and just think more about our neighbour, you know, to think more about the people who, who are lost, Lord, help me make a difference. Lord, help me to get into their lives. And if, if, if that's our attitude, then the blessing will be there and, and God will meet our needs along the way anyway. You know, He's already, He knows what we've got need of before we even ask Him. I just want to finish in uh, one verse, Je- Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah 32, uh, verse 27. And really, when it comes to the plan of God and when, and if we stop and we really think about our, our life, how we came to be here today, and you know, we don't get time to often reflect on every circumstance that's happened, but it does us good to do that sometimes to really sit back and contemplate all that the Lord's done and how how we even where we are today, despite what's going on. It says in verse 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Amen, I'll leave it there.